Hello from sunny Glasgow. I'm overseas again, but Sue is running the control desk today, so hopefully everybody can hear what we're saying. How are you going, Sue? Yeah, not bad at all. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that everything goes like clockwork here. So <laughs> you're up in Edinburgh at the moment, aren't you? I'm in Glasgow. Glasgow. I will be in Edinburgh later today to get a flight to Paris, which is not not as glamorous as it sounds. Um, I think Paris is, hopefully I get there and it's still working and it hasn't all been closed down by strikes. That all seems to have gone quiet, but maybe we're just not getting the reports. Um, We'd better crack on. Uh, What are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to be talking about unit rents, which have gone up by huge amounts with a new domain report just come out last week. And we're talking about Arama, who are thinking that Airbnb should be banned from houses, which is kind of interesting. And uh, we're also going to be talking about the new New South Wales Minister for Fair Trading, a really interesting guy. Yeah, we'll be looking at him later. And we'll also just mention, you know, did you hear over in Edinburgh about this house in Condor Park in Sydney falling down one night where the family were asleep? I saw Um, the pictures. I saw the pictures. That was amazing. What an incredible story. I mean, and it's awful. I mean, you wouldn't wish that on anyone. But, um, you know, suddenly, you know, maybe... People who live in houses are suddenly realizing what it might be a like to live in a shoddy apartment, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, we'd better crack on. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for domain. And this is the flat chat wrap. Okay, what's up first up on the agenda, Sue? Yes, a new report came out last week from Domain about rents. And I mean, oh, God, it it makes terrible reading, really. But it's it's interesting because it's kind of separated out house and unit rents. And out of the 10 biggest rent increases across the nation, six out of those 10 were for apartments, which is quite Wow. Unit rents are at record highs across all the um, combined capitals apart from Canberra and Darwin, but they've had stronger rent growth, really, than houses. And so they've had the fastest quarterly increase on record. And uh, Melbourne, Brisbane and the combined capitals has the fastest annual increase on record. Some of the rents have been absolutely incredible, the rent increases. So the top rent increase in the whole of the country was for units in Bass Hill, in, which is Canterbury-Bankstown in, in Sydney's southwest. For the last year, they went up 62.8%. Oh, isn't that wow. in a year? Wow. Absolutely. And in second place, it was in Queensland, Brisbane West, a Flinders View, um, which is kind of Ipswich. Units there, the annual change in the median weekly asking rent went up 56.2%. Oh. Wow. And then in Melbourne, um, in the inner urban city units went up 46.7% in rent. Collingwood Goodness Park, me. Brisbane, 40%. Um, units in Port Hedland in Western Australia, which I once called the arsehole of Australia, um, <laughs> <laughs> 38.5%. In Port Douglas, in, up in the um, tropical North Queensland, they went up 37.1%. You wow. All those poor people who kind of went up there during COVID and thought, well, we get a cheap rent and a much cheaper lifestyle. I mean, it's pretty tough for them now, really. 
Uh, is there, talking of COVID, are we seeing here a post-COVID bounce that rents that were being held down during COVID are suddenly being released or are there other factors at play here? There are other factors. I think the bounce came much earlier on and now the other right. factors are just the shortage of housing, um, the huge demand, mm. the number of people who no longer want to share places, they kind of want their own place. So yeah. households have got much smaller as well. And also uh, the lack of investors. So there's, there's a lot fewer homes available for rent as well because of interest rate rises. So, no, there's an awful lot of factors at play here. So I think the bounce back came back a while ago. Now it's, it's, it's extreme market forces. Right. There's no no peace in sight at all for tenants. You, you feel so... Well, the, I mean, the one thing that they shy away from every time this comes up, and this has been mentioned a lot recently, is any kind of rent control, you know, either linking it to CPI or linking it to um, mortgage rates. But there's absolutely terrified of the idea of, of rent control, but I can't see any other way that you could curb the growth in rents. It's worth noting that in Canberra, which has one of the lowest rent rises across the country, they do have a cap on rents, which is based on the CPI plus 10%. Uh, well, Chris Minns has already kind of discussed that, a rent cap, and he's ruled that out. He says, no, that's not the, not, not the way to go. He says the way to go is supply. And of course, long term, it is supply. But Supply is going to take a long time to get here. It's going to, you know, even if we had 20,000 development approvals put in on Monday, that's going to take maybe three years to get here, those homes to get here. So, and that's even, you know, um, the bureaucracy doesn't stop them first. So, I mean, yeah. yes, of course, long-term supply is the answer. But in the short term, it's got to be something like that, a rent cap. It's got to be, the, yeah, there's got to be a, some sort of rent control. And, you know, and I think it's absolutely valid I reckon if anybody is, as an investor, claiming negative gearing on their investment, then they should be subject to rent controls because it's it's all seems to be geared to give, give, give to the investors. Mm. And it's the tenants who, who, who cop the uh, negative side. But then and again, I think at the same that, time, we're kind of having to pander to investors because we've got to we've got to encourage investors to buy more properties to let them out to tenants. But if there are no properties for them to buy, that whole argument falls over. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean it's not it's something that you want to have as a temporary measure. You say we're going to put this in place for the next year or 18 months until supply improves. And, and hey, if you don't want to have rent control, just send us a letter saying that you don't want to claim negative gearing in your tax return. And that's fine. You can charge as much for the rent for the place as you want. Yeah. Now, that sounds an interesting idea. And also, I think the, the MINS government in New South Wales anyway, although obviously this is a national thing, um, they're talking about um, looking at more help for tenants, giving them you know grants and things, and also helping them to transition to home ownership. And, and that's kind of very praiseworthy. But at the same time, if there's not enough homes to go around, it doesn't really yeah. help. It's just, just going back to the same. I mean, it's a definition of madness, isn't it? Trying the same thing and expecting a different result. They, I mean, what they're going to do, if they're putting more money into tenants' 
pockets to pay their rents, which is fair enough. All they're doing is inflating the market more. We've seen that with the housing benefit, you know, the the grants to first-time homeowners. The developers who are selling the the properties just add that money to the cost of the the homes that they're selling. Mm, Yeah. It's just... just, And it's so short-sighted. And it's all because of some political thing they just don't want to be seen to be controlling people's rents or, or whatever. I think it's pathetic. I think I think the politicians from state level right through to federal have shown themselves to be absolutely gutless when it comes to this issue. It's a huge issue that's affecting thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of people, and they they don't want to be seen to be too controlling. Well, why did you get elected if you're not prepared to make tough decisions? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We're talking about getting elected. I think it, we'd love to have a chat about our new fair trading minister for New South Wales. We'll talk Anna about Chantibong. Yes. Well, uh, we'll talk about that after this break then. So do you reckon Anna Chantibong is destined to become the most misspelt government minister? <laughs> And probably most mispronounced as well, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. I was glad that you sent me a, a pronunciation said, guide. Yeah, yep. yeah, because so. it it helped a lot. Because you look at it, there's a lot of letters in that name. And uh, as someone who spends their life telling people that there's no P in Thompson, I wonder how, how often he has to <laughs> has to tell people how to spell his name correctly. But it's. Interesting his background, because he's come in as fair trading minister, but previously he was the shadow minister for finance, industry and trade. And now he's he's got innovation, science and technology and building and corrections, which is got nothing to do with the spelling of his name. It's all about prisons. Sure, absolutely. But he's a qualified economist as well, so that kind of puts him in a, a on in a good position, I think, to deal with industry and trade, and obviously better regulation and fair trading as well. Let's hope. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know what they say: you ask five economists a question, and you'll get six opinions. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that fair trading actually needs somebody with uh, purely. And, and this is making an assumption that, you know, he is not capable of looking at things from a more socially aware perspective. But purely economic perspective on apartments is probably what we don't need right now. Uh, I disagree, really, because he's got the academic background, but also he, I mean, he sounds such an interesting person. I mean, he's been the Macquarie Fields MP, and Macquarie Fields, for those who don't know, is part of southwestern Sydney, which is kind of quite deprived. Thank you. Just, yeah. Yes. Thank you. I just remember spending some time there when I was doing a book with Father Chris Riley, the priest who helps homeless youth. He set up a new yeah. project there, and I spent a lot of time out there, really. And it, it was quite shocking in the old days. There was very little for young people to do. There was just no money. The housing was crumbling. It's, it's improved a huge amount in the last 20 years. But it's still a community that that needs a lot of help. So to be their MP, it would have been quite hard, I think, for him. And he's also been mayor right. of Campbelltown before as well, which is, um, you know, yeah. He's, so he's got, he, he, he runs on the board. He, he would have been around a lot of apartment blocks then, you would imagine. 
Yeah, absolutely. Unlike many of his predecessors, um, who oh. you sometimes thought had might never have set foot in an apartment block in their lives. I mean, he would have been aware of the the issues uh, around apartments. So that's that's something. I mean, this just this is a guy who arrived from Laos at the age of six, unable to speak English. Mm. And according to his own bio, he uh, in learning to speak English, he started to understand the value of education and then got himself educated to a very high level. Yeah. So uh, it could could be interesting. I think it's going to be a different perspective. Um, interesting also that he's going to be the minister for building. Mm. because yeah, It's good that, putting them two together, really. And that puts him right in David Chandler's wheelhouse. So uh, that, that becomes a real champion for the battlers. I mean, mm. him and David could actually do an awful lot of good together, I would imagine. I would think so. And the other person um, in that sphere is Jihad Dib, mm. who is the Minister for Customer Service and Digital. He's basically moved into the Victor Dominello role before Victor Dominello had to move back down to fair trading. You'd imagine that those two are working quite closely together. Now, Jihad Dib is the first Muslim to be the MP for Lakemba when that was even a constituency. Mm. And again, we're looking at people who have experience on the ground of what it's like for people who live in apartments rather than nice houses in the suburbs. Mm. So I think we could see a change in perspective there um, from both of those new ministers. Mm. Now, that would be really fascinating, I think. That, that, yeah. that would be very, very welcome. I'm actually going out to Lakemba this week because, um, as you know, it's Ramadan and they have yeah. markets out there. That goes on until um, April the 20th. So lots of people are flooding out there, really, and meeting people from Lakemba and eating some of the fantastic food that all the little pop-up stalls along the main streets uh, have for eat. from dusk to, to 3 a.m. Hey, look, I'll be back on the 15th if you can hold out for a couple of days. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I I mean, it's terrible, but I have actually never been to Lakemba before. So um, I'd love to have a look. We should. We should. Area. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. Now, what was the next item on the agenda? You were going to talk to me about Arama. Um, All right. Well, let's do that after this break. So we have heard in all this talk about rents and the influence of Airbnb in taking accommodation out of the residential rental market, we've heard various calls to control or curb Airbnb. But the latest one has come from ARAMA, which is the Australian Resident Accommodation Managers Association, which is mostly based in in Queensland. The gentleman, their CEO, Trevor Ronsley, has called for Airbnb to be banned from houses, freestanding houses. He said that the government had been seduced by the sharing economy and added, there is nothing sharing about it. Taking houses in the suburbs away from the long-term residential housing rental market at a time of housing crisis is extremely selfish. Now, I don't disagree with any of that. That's a really weird position for him to take, though, isn't it? Well, no, because his most of his managers, his customers, if you like, are dealing with apartment blocks. 
So what he's really saying, I think, is stop all this rent, all this residential rental uh, going to Airbnb and have it all in apartment blocks. Because as we know, people who live in apartments don't matter. Uh, you know, you, you you could rent a house in the in the suburbs and to Airbnb, and people next door might not even know that there were tourists in there. But you rent an apartment at an Airbnb, and everybody in the building knows that there are tourists in there. Mm. I suppose that comes from Queensland, you know, starting off their apartment their strata legislation because it was all about holiday rentals, really, rather yeah. than yeah, yeah, lived. Um, yeah, but you know it's kind of funny. I mean, short-term accommodation platforms like Airbnb have had so much criticism because you know there's there's clear evidence that in that in those areas where so many apartments are let out on Airbnb, there's incredible accommodation shortage and rents have been going up by more than in yeah. other areas. Yeah. So you kind of think, well, he's trying to make it look as if they really care. But yeah, not really damaging their base. Well, there's a there was a story about a year or so ago about how, I mean, as you were saying, um, the residential apartment market in Queensland was based on holiday lets years ago, going back when they first started putting up high rises there, and then these that iniquitous system of long term twenty five year management contracts came in now. Those managers on those 25-year contracts, that's Arama's base. That's their their people. Now, they boosted their income by managing the rental role. And for a long time, nobody else was allowed to manage the rents in apartment blocks apart from the residential caretaker manager, which is another screwy system which just benefits one little group at the expense of everybody else. So that law was changed a few years ago so that the residential caretakers were the only people allowed to have an office doing rentals in the building, but anybody else could do it. Like you could go, you could set up an office across the street and do rentals in those buildings. And then along came Airbnb and suddenly people were able to run, basically run their own holiday rentals in their own apartments without even having to go through rental agents either in the building or outside. And that has seriously punched a hole in the income for these residential managers. This is the thing that puzzles me about Mr. Ronsley's uh, pronouncement. If he is saying Airbnb should be pushed into apartments, that's going to undermine the income for his the members of Arama, isn't it? Unless his members are using Airbnb to promote the rentals in their buildings, which is quite possible they could be acting as agents in that regard, wouldn't you think? Yeah, you'd think it would, really. I mean, and it's, it's funny, last time I spoke to him, it was a couple of months ago when I was doing a story about those 25-year management contracts that are, that are still legal in Queensland. And he, yeah. was, he was saying that um, the system is a good one. He said long-term contracts mean long-term efficiencies. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. But he was saying that the system needs only some minor reforms. So maybe no. when he's talking about minor reforms, maybe he's thinking about this, which is a bit weird. Yeah. Hmm. Long-term long contracts make long-term efficiency if the contract is efficiently operated. 
long-term contracts where their inefficiencies mean long-term inefficiencies. I mean, it's a piece of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, who in, who right now has a 25-year contract for anything? I bet he doesn't even have a 25-year contract to be CEO of Arama. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he'd like one, but if he went to his board and said, hey, you know, we got these management contracts, I'd like one of them for me, I think he'd be shown the door. You know, right. it's... Uh, it's inequity and iniquitous. There you go. Oh, wow. Uh, almost got, yep. got those big words. <laughs> I just have to remember how to spell them. Because it was interesting. When I was talking to him, I, I mentioned to him the building that we were talking about um, that had a fee for lift maintenance, even though there weren't actually lifts in the building. And yeah. he said, oh, oh, no, no, no. It just means that contracts have to be scrutinised better. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's crazy, really. Yeah. And as we know, uh, people in Queensland who have tried to have their contracts changed or who haven't been getting the service and tried to get them rescinded, it's almost impossible Mm. Uh, because the whole system there is geared to maintaining these contracts. Come hell or high water, those contracts have to be maintained to maintain the system. And it's a system that's fundamentally corrupt in the broader sense of the word corruption you know that it is wrong and just from the bottom up it's Mm. just wrong and the thing is they're stuck with it the government doesn't know what to do about it and once again we come it comes back to the gutless politicians who don't even want to look at it because it's too hard Mm. yeah on that note when we come back we're going to talk about houses falling down that's after this And we're back. So it's not just apartment buildings that are falling down, Sue Williams. No, I mean, the house in Condell Park, which collapsed in in Sydney on Good Friday, I think. The family were asleep in the house and their new rental, so thankfully they didn't buy it. It it was built only months ago and it started collapsing around them. Oh, my God. Wow. I saw the pictures. I mean, it was quite uh, dramatic and spectacular. And do they know why? this happened has anybody got any idea no they're investigating now but i mean the fact that it was such a new house as well it's incredible and i think the neighbors next door i mean these are freestanding houses um the neighbors next door heard the bang and rushed out to see if they they thought it was a car had crashed into a house or something and they rushed out to help and now they're really worried because they their house was built by the same builder so oh my god people are doing lots of investigations and uh, I'm sure probably maybe David Chandler's involved as well to see what exactly has happened. I mean, it must have been a poor build, but we can't really say that for sure yet because we, we haven't seen the results of the Yeah. I mean, does David Chandler take houses? Do they come under his remit? I mean, it's building commissioner, not apartment building commissioner. Yeah. So you would think yes would be yeah. the answer to that. <laughs> you, you'd imagine so, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. He couldn't really just distinguish between them. He's got to use most of his time as productively as possible. And obviously, apartments house an awful lot more people than individual homes. But, uh, yep. yeah, I would imagine he'd be um, champing at the bit with this one. Well, you'd think his job predominantly is to get builders to build better buildings. And that is done by controlling, well, forcing them to try and get some sort of approval rating to prove that they're good enough to get insurance. But we 
Do you tend to think of this as happening to apartment buildings because so many people are affected by them? I mean, these builders, they don't just build one house and move on. Mm. You know, it'll be a whole housing scheme for some of them, and they just build, yeah, dozens of houses. It seems to be, yeah, exactly, same template, same methods. But as as a builder told us once, you go to the show house for a new development, and they show you this house that's been built by like the very best tradespeople that they can hire to build their show house. And you go in and you look, it looks fantastic. But then when they have to replicate that mm. 20 or 50 or 100 times, it's just whoever they can get their hands on to come mm. in and do the work. And there's been a shortage of tradies since COVID as well. How old was this house? I, I didn't catch no, that. It was, only, it was only a few months old. Oh really? Yeah, my so goodness. Very, yeah. Very yeah. So Okay. Um, yeah, incredible really. Let's hope they didn't also build apartments. <laughs> <laughs> right. And on that note, I've got to start getting ready for my next flight and you've got to uh, go and do whatever you're going to do back in Sydney. Okay, fantastic. Well, nice to meet uh, you Jimmy and have a good flight and I look forward to doing this in person with you next Sunday when you're back in Sydney. Yes, I will be. Let's let's make a date. We'll do that then. Thanks for setting this up, Sue. Pleasure. And thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.